Welcome to another episode of Yet Another Science Show. This episode is Making Sense of Smell. In Montreal, I'm Jess Corbet. I'm Nina Parizer. And in Cambridge, I'm Orad Reshef. Orad, long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, you know, I had to get this dog, and uh, they take up a lot of my time. Dogs do that. I bought a yeah. house. Oh, that takes that's up a better more excuse. Time. <laughs> yeah, that's a better excuse. Um, and we got uh, we brought Nina on board. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm Nina. I'm the new dog. Uh, no, I'm 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 friends with Orad and uh, and now with Jesse, and I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited. And what is it that you do in life? I am a teacher and an artist. That's what I do. Yeah, um, but I'm very interested in science. I've always been fascinated with scientific things. So much like me. Yes. Yeah. Great. So, so now I'm outnumbered, huh? Yeah, you're outnumbered. The actual scientist is way outnumbered here. That's okay. Um, we don't actually talk science here, so that's fine. Well, I got some science to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Uh, well, actually, maybe Nina can set it up because you found a paper. Yes. Um, so I, I, I mean, I think the second reason why I'm so excited to be on this show is that I love arguing with Orad, and I think that's a <laughs> great. This is a great venue to do that. Um, so a little I, warning would have been nice. <laughs> That's kind of um, how this happened, right? It's it kind was of like, had, we should we had record an, this. <laughs> we had an argument, um, and then Orad was like, you should, you should be on a podcast with me because it's fun to argue with you. So, um, yeah, I found this article uh, two years ago. I think it was published in BBC News like in 2013. Um, it was an article about smell and about how a scientist had discovered 10 categories of smell. And the ten, one of the 10 categories was popcorn. Which I really want to know about. Right. And me too. And I, I was actually furious when I found out that one of the categories was popcorn. Why were you fur- furious? Well, That's a bit well, of a strong emotion. To me, if you want to sell me on a concept, add the word popcorn. And I'm sold. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I, I, I understand why it would be appealing to, to have a category devoted just to popcorn from the perspective of, like, it's delicious and it smells good. But... Um, I found that the way that they were categorizing things, the scale was so different. Like there's, I can tell you the first couple of categories. The first category. Yeah, what are the 10 categories? There's 10, right? Yeah, there's 10. So the first category is fragrant. And I get that. So that's like flowers. That could be fruit. You know, anything that sort of has this nice, fragrant, flowery smell. (laughs) And then the second one is woody, resinous. And I I also get this. And, you know, any kind of plant or tree whatever anything that does photosynthesis can have that kind of smell except for the next one which is fruity right right and then there's fruity and so already i started to get you know that's already a bit weird because fruity seems like on the scale like like you know when you're um categorizing animals like you wouldn't say like here's a mammal and here's a hermit crab like (laughs) it seems like like it's it's the scaling is wrong right you're talking about something kind of broad like fragrant and then fruity's already and fruity and in brackets non-citrus so citrus has its own category lemon lemon has its own category (laughs) so wait a minute so we have fragrant woody slash resinous fruity non-citrus and then there's chemical and, I can understand that one because... Yeah, ke- chemical, and it's broad enough, and there's different types of chemical smells, and I think that makes sense. And then after chemical, there's minty slash peppermint. Yeah, and you don't want to confuse the two, right? So right. it could be either minty or pepperminty. Yeah, and, and I do see that that's a distinct smell, and, and so I wasn't so mad about that, yeah, but I, then... I find peppermint is different than a straight-up mint, too. Yeah, well, this is the same, though. He puts it in the same category. 
mint and peppermint is the same. No, I'm, I'm saying I can see why he would list them as two different things for one larger yes, category. Yes, yes. peppermint isn't, it's not quite mint. Exactly. Where no, does no. spearmint fall, though? Because spearmint think, is distinct, right? <laughs> I think it must fall into the mint category. Um, That's outrageous, then, though. How did lemon get its own thing, but spearmint gets shafted? I, I oh, don't it understand. It gets better, right, just... it, get, it gets better. Number six is sweet. And so for me, this is, this is again, confusing because, I mean, f- fragrant and fruity would, for me, fall under the category of sweet. So then wouldn't you just have one category for sweet and then fragrant and fruity as subcategories no, of that? because a flower could be fragrant, but not sweet. That's true, I yeah. guess. But maybe, oh, like you're right. Fra- well, okay, what's you're sweet right. and not fragrant? No, like, well, some flowers, I think. He's right. Like, oh, no. So what's sweet and non-fragrant? Um, candy? Chop, but chocolate candy. bars? Yeah, candy. Yeah, yeah okay. All right. I, I take it back. I mean, but sweet wasn't <laughs> the one that, that made me angry. Then the next one, number seven, is popcorn. And popcorn. I, like, lost I lost my mind over this because, <laughs> because, okay, so first of all, if you're, if it's, <sighs> popcorn has a distinct smell, but it falls under the category of, other things like rice can smell like popcorn. Do you know what I mean? There's like this smell. Actually, yeah, like a, yeah, when you know, you... a lot of rice tea sometimes has. Yes, a, a it has po- like a, a popcorny smell. But and that was actually my question for you. Actually, is because doesn't popcorn smell like butter though? Isn't isn't no 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 no. If well, you have it does. your popcorn the way the gods intended, it does not smell <laughs> like butter. You mean but like out of a bag that you stick in the microwave? That that kind of godly popcorn? No, I... no. I mean popped with air, with nothing added to ruin the magic. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> but my question was, it just, because I, I've looked this up uh, in a couple of different places, it just says popcorn, but does it mean popcorn-y, or does it mean popcorn? I mean, I guess it's a scientific paper and they wouldn't write popcorn-y, but, <laughs> but, but so I... It might actually be a larger... I, I mean, yes, but if it is, then they should be labeling it as like... I don't know, popcorn esque smell. They'd say like, like they'd say like grainy and then in brackets such as popcorn. Yes, but yeah. You can't say grainy because quinoa is a grain and it doesn't smell like popcorn. And, oh, and like you can't call it savory. Okay. What about because... chemical? So chemical doesn't have. There's no no such thing as like a chemical, right? There are chemicals <laughs> such everything. as isopropanol, acetone, etc., and those have smells, right? Yeah, but, but I, I sort of associate this. There's usually kind of an astringency to it, though. You know what, though? I was looking up stuff about the chemicals, and actually one of the most interesting things about chemicals is that... Um, I'm just going to look for this. I think one of the reasons that chemicals smell the way that they do actually has to do with the fact... It, okay, sorry. So I'm going to just quote something here. Smell sensitivity researchers have to be careful about odors that they odors that they use in experiments because a smell is not always a smell. Many odorous substances activate not only the olfactory system, but also the soma, somatosensory system, and that's the nerve endings in our noses, which are sensitive to temperatures and pain. So, oh, yeah. So, like, you take a okay. sniff of, like, so, like, I work in the clean room, and often, like, you, you have two chemicals, and they're both clear, like, water, and you're like, which one is it? And you take a sniff, and you hope 50-50 chance that it's not the one that hurts your brain, right? Yes, so you go, yeah. So, you go, oh, okay, okay, I guess that one is, you know. Oh, xylene. Crap. You know? No, no, no. Exactly. So that's why, like, patients who have lost their sense of smell can still detect menthol and phenylethyl alcohol and other substances. So, like, chemicals, I think a lot of chemicals, it's it's a smell, but it's also a sensation in the nose, which I thought was really interesting. But, um, yeah, but that kind of changes things. That actually reminds me of um, 
this TED talk that Orad, you and I both watched. Oh, dude. Luca Turin. Yeah, that's an awesome TED talk. Well, and it's what I found interesting about it was that what part of what he posited was that smell is you're smelling molecular vibrations. Oh, dude, we have to go into like the history of smell. So the reason I'm interested in smell is because like, how does smelling work? Right. Like. It's yeah. cool that we've broken it into like these ten subcategories, but does that mean you have like ten little seemingly arbitrary categories in some cases? Very arbitrary. Oh, do we? What are the other? Do, are we yeah, done? I'll like tell, all the categories? I'll, no, no, no. I'll, I'll I'll just quickly fill you in. So popcorn and then lemon, which so now it's become a shopping list. He's like peppermint, popcorn, lemon, those three <laughs> all together, and then it's pungent, and then decayed. Ugh. So, yeah, I also, I'm not usually, like, very, like, type A about stuff, but the, the list, I just find it's just completely, it doesn't make any sense to me. So maybe if you explain the history of smell, we might get a sense of why he's made a well, list like this. I would like to actually say something in, in one of the things I read about these 10 types of smell. The, ana- the analysis resulted in 10 basic odor groups. Why 10? It could also have been 9 or 11, but 10 was the smallest number that still captured the interesting features of smell, Castro said. Castro's so, one of the scientists. Yeah, Castro's lead author on that paper. So I looked into that paper. It's like a big mathematical modeling thing. Yeah, yes. It's, 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 it's more math. math than it is like we put people in a room and had them sniff stuff, as far as I can tell. And it looks like they took like a billion things like chemicals and fruit and whatnot right and then they labeled them and then they tried to see if you can like minimize the number of permutations of what they smell like does that make sense so like they they just like tried to collapse all the descriptors into like the fewest number of descriptors that can describe something so like you could take any object and say this object is a little like 10 percent fragrant 40 percent popcorn and 50 percent decayed but, and I then mean, you could this, be like this just sounds to me like a massive, expensive thought experiment rather than an actual oh, th- I know, man. Study. Do you know that what I'm for saying? sure? Yeah, yeah. Because like the way I see it is like if there's only ten, does that mean that like your nose has like ten shaped puzzle pieces? And then like when the fruity atom flies into your nose, does it find that puzzle piece? And then like mis- that's how, that's how seeing works, right? Like mm-hmm. seeing right. is you know color is you have like three different cones in your eye, and then your eye gets you know each cone gets like red, green, and blue. They each get lit up by yeah. a certain amount and then you see color your brain turns into color is that how no. smell works and um, how like and how taste happens to, i mean to, on in a basic way in certain zones on your tongue it's kind of like its own little puzzle oh, yeah. pieces right yeah and that's why i'm not sure what i the smell thing is i mean i realize that we don't know as much about smell as we do about taste and sight and everything but i had a hard time finding anything really compelling in this paper just because okay lemon what about grapefruit? Yeah. Should like, it maybe not have been citrus? Yeah, well, if it's if, if one is fruity, non-citrus, then clearly there has to be a category for citrus. It, Called citrus. Yeah. yeah. It can't just be lemon. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know if it's that he just isn't good with language and he messed it up on that level or if this it's is better just... Better with a, numbers than words kind of thing? Yeah. Like, it yeah. could be that, but I just... Because for me, like, to say there's just one category for popcorn, you know, Yeah. <laughs> We should add, though, this is, like, not a nothing journal. This is plus one. It's kind of a nice journal, too. So the fact that it was picked up by BBC, it's nothing to sneeze at. We should give it, like, a little bit of respect that he was able to find something probably, like, statistically significant, at least. 
even if we like think it's bogus <laughs> or ridiculous. Yeah, well, but. I don't think it's I don't think it's bogus. I just think that the way that it was categorized is there's there's something still off about it. But I understand that it's you know smell smell and taste are interrelated, and it's hard to to study just smell. I think I think that's we don't we really don't know a lot about it. I know I know with taste, it's like your tongue can only taste what are the four things: salty, sweet, sour, bitter, bitter umami. Bitter. Well, yeah, but then like spicy, that I think is related. I think it's related to smell. I think it's not a taste as much as it is like a sensation, a sensation. right? Like your nerve endings are, are picking up on it. So, you know, taste too, I think we don't fully understand. Yeah, I, there there's a reason, right? So what I'm like, what I found interesting about this is that like sight is you just take a spectrum and then you know exactly what you're going to see. Sound, you take a spectrum, you know exactly what you're going to hear. And then taste and smell is this like chemical reaction business which is so not well understood and like i guess we'll go into the history of this soon and we'll talk about that well because i was gonna say well what if smell really is you're smelling molecular molecular vibrations i mean that's what's so attractive about that model isn't it yeah so how about this let's take a take a little break for a word from our sponsor and then uh when we get back we'll talk about the history of smell okay ladies are you tired of smelling like everyone else just like everyone else well if you do and you are tired of it then it's time to try popcorn perfume while everyone else is wasting their time smelling like peppermint lemons or non-citrus fruit you can be the bell of the ball with our new popcorn technology the popcorn scented molecules of our perfume explode when they come in contact with smell receptors in people's nostrils leaving them with a light popping sensation in their nose with every whiff it's like the popcorn is actually in my nose oh joy warning do not wear in presence of hungry people pigeons or squirrels all right welcome back to yet another science show uh yeah we're, we're sponsored now uh i hope uh i hope you guys buy their product we love their product it's super good uh right nina yes absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay and we're gonna pick up the second half of the show talking about the uh, history of smell so uh i guess it starts like in the 1950s which is to say really really recently um, and it's funny that you mentioned this paper in 2013 because the first thing that I found that was interesting was in 1952. This guy, John Amour, he split smell into seven primary odors. Seven, not ten. Mm. Are you ready for this? Yes. Go. Fishy. <laughs> yes. Malty. Malty. <laughs> musky. Sweaty. Mm-hmm. Uranus. And spermous. Oh, wow. Interesting. And, and this was the sixth. There's I couldn't real... find what the seventh one was. Um, oh. But there's a real, like, body, like, yeah. it's centered around the body, right? Around the male yeah. body, let's be honest. Oh, no, there's some female parts well, must... in there, too, right? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> right, sorry. The, so this, like, I think he was a bit ridiculed for this at first, but, uh, you know, it, it was still a cute idea to be able to split that. I guess because, like, they split color into three colors. They're like, oh, let's split smell into kind of like the same thing this paper from two years ago was saying, Interesting, right? though. Well, but what's cool about that is that it's all about the context that the lead scientist is interested in, it seems. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, this guy's like, oh, it's from the body. Let's split it into body things. Right? Whereas the other guy's like, hey, lemons, popcorn, <laughs> food. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. 
Although decayed, decayed doesn't really like the thing is if these are both primary sets, shouldn't you be able to decompose, for example, lemon into like which part of lemon is musky or fishy? Like how do you split lemon into those? Right. No, I I think that the that the whole contexts are so different that you would have a hard time merging these. But these guys are saying one. this is the fundamental – every smell could be broken down into these fundamental primary smells, right? Yeah, but in the 2013 categorization of smell, how would we – like, where's fishy? I was just thinking about that. I don't know if we really have a place – like, does it fit into Maybe decade? It might be pungent. Pungent. Oh, yeah, you're right. It does fit in. What does pungent mean anyway? Like, smack in the face? Yeah. Okay. But I feel like there's so many different ways you can get smacked in the face by smell. Sweaty feet will do it. Yeah, which I guess is like – yeah sweaty and urinous and musky yeah but see for me like sweat and urine kind of that kind of is in the same category no like it's kind of got the there's dip there's a difference between them obviously so i mean they taste different right absolutely yeah <laughs> so like where does a fart fit in then smelly <laughs> is that like pungent yeah uh, it well depends on the fart i guess so in the second set it falls into pungent and the first one is definitely musky right farts are musky now, you know why I'm asking about farts, right? I, I'm dying to know why you're asking about farts. Does it smell on that side of the studio? No, but Nina did find another interesting paper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a Let's... welcome addition to the show. Thanks for coming, Nina. Why don't you tell us Nina. about it? I, yeah, well, I found, this, I found um, actually a number of articles about how smelling farts might be good for you and might actually <laughs> prevent cancer is what, is what I was reading about. Um, I think... Oh my god! Amazingly, um, Jesse found found like the actual articles. Um, can you, and Jess, can you read the abstract? Yes, I'm looking for it right now. It really, you know, sort of like the way that, um, like, when people are talking about climate change and, and they're not allowed to talk. Well, they don't want to talk about like cow farts when they're talking about scientific, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever stuff. They have this like fancy word for like methane excretion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. something like that. So it's kind of the same yeah. thing. I found it. Um, here's from the abstract. Synthesis and bioavailability of the endogenous gasomediator hydrogen sulfide is perturbed in many disease states, including those involving mitochondrial dysfunction. There is intense interest in developing pharmacological agents to generate H2S. We have synthesized a novel H2S donor molecule, and it goes on and finishes with, Our study suggests mitochondria-targeted H2S donors are useful pharmacological tools to study the mitochondrial physiology of h2s and health and disease so somewhere i can see someone saying hey gord that says farts are good for you why don't you come pull on my finger <laughs> so i mean there's nothing in this abstract at any rate that tells me that smelling a fart is actually good for you it seems to be talking more about about like what's it called hydrogen, hydrogen sulfide. sulfide which i think is produced when you fart oh uh, yeah but i mean i think there's a massive difference between <laughs> hey come pull on my finger and coming up with something pharmacological, right? Right. I mean, I think I think they maybe extrapolated something funny. Yes, to, I agree. To, to, to get so, eyes on the page. Yeah. Let's be let's be a little um, cynical, right? So they need uh, these guys. Basically, just did a study on sulfuric acid, right? And they were like, "Oh, we found this result," and they're all happy, right? And then they're like, "Oh, I want to make sure I get funding for next year." And so they call up their good buddy who's a journalist, because every scientist is a journalist buddy, you know, yeah, myself yeah. included. And then you say, hey, can you, like, promote my thing? And the journalist's like, nobody cares about this. Like, why do you care? And then he says, well, I mean, I guess, like, 
I guess you fart this stuff. And they go, oh, man, so when you fart, it makes you feel better? And that's international headlines. And then they get airtime on, on podcasts. So, like, yeah. this is yeah. this happens all the time with this kind of stuff. Like, it's a cute idea, but they're really extrapolating something that's, like, very minimal, right? Like, yeah. come on. How much longer do you live from this thing? A couple of days, <laughs> maybe, at most, if you're well, a mouse? The thing is that they're talking about – it seems that they're talking specifically about um, people with – mitochondrial dysfunction so that's a pretty specific set of <laughs> issues right i yeah i guess i don't have I mean, my, mitochondrial dysfunction as far as i well know. i don't even really know what the like what the street term for that would be <laughs> like i looked it up a bit and 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 i got sort of a bunch of associated disease diseases um but like like what anything common yeah, there's something called diabetes mellitus and deafness, or DAD, um, which apparently at an early age can be due to mitochondrial disease. Oh, I've heard of oh, people Oh, and apparently Charles dad. Darwin. Apparently Charles Darwin had mitochondrial disease in some way. Oh, man. Charles Darwin should have smelled his farts more often. Yeah, well, maybe he did. I mean, he lived a long time, didn't he? Long enough to, like, discover evolution. Didn't he have, like, ten kids? Yeah. Right? He, he, did, he did good. No, but you guys are doing... He discovered evolution by 27. He had 10 kids with 10 women within a year. And then he died at 29 because he didn't smell his farts. That's what happened. Oh, my God. I feel that the the tone of this podcast is lower (laughs) than... But anyways, I was just going to say that um, I think that, you know, we saw news pieces that said, hey, farts are good for you. And then in the actual paper, no, no, it's not farts that are good for you. Yeah. Isn't that heartbreaking, though? Well, I think so. But my wife is probably... uh, I have a different opinion. <laughs> this reminds me of um, Howard Stern used to have a bit where he had people like do lie detector tests. And then he he had them. I remember one of the questions was he always asked, um, do you like the smell of your own farts? And people are always like, no, no, I don't. The lie detector says you do. Lie detector says you do. <laughs> and I mean, come on, let's be honest. Who doesn't enjoy the smell of their own farts, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I can't believe that someone would like do like make a study just to prove that though i mean i I guess the study doesn't prove that but no no i I think that we really got you know suckered in by uh by wild extrapolation so uh turning back to history then so uh we talked about john amour in 52 um and then i guess like the like how smell works has been like the greatest mystery for decades and uh, the first thing to crack the case open was in 1991 with this Nobel Prize winning work by Linda Buck and Richard Axel. So they won the prize in 2004 for their work in 91. And what they did was they were able to uh, synthesize these proteins from the olfactory receptors, which are known to bind only to molecules based on their shape. So what they did was they like extracted, you know, nose proteins and then like, wait, these proteins are specifically known to only bind to things based on their shape. So that's how smell must work. Things bind based on their shape. Hmm. And so this is the first thing that anyone was like, oh, man, things based on their shape. That's how we smell. That's how we know how things smell. Um, But there's a problem with this. And this this relates to our TED talk by Luca Turin that we saw. And that I highly recommend everybody watch because it's and that's a funny little moment because he talks to a physicist about it. Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to put a link to this TED Talk because it was, it was great. Yeah, and uh, what he says is basically, okay, great. So let's say the model is that things are known to bind specifically based on their shape, right? Yeah. 
So if that's the case, then everything with the same shape should smell the same. Right. And so Luca Turin had a theory. He said, well, what if I had two molecules that were exactly the same, and all I did was swap out one of the atoms in the molecule with an identical atom that's an isotope? So briefly, an isotope is like you can have two carbon atoms, but one has an extra neutron in it. It'll still be carbon, but it'll be a little heavier, right? Yeah. So that's what he said. Let's say we So take... the molecule is the same shape. Yeah, the molecule is exactly the same shape. And he, they did a bunch of tests, and they found that they smell differently. They, people are able to – animals and humans alike are able to tell these things apart. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, well, they bind to the same receptors, right? That's how they, That's what the Nobel Prize was won for. Yeah, they fit the same puzzle pieces if we're yeah, talking about an actual exactly. puzzle. But, yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I, I'm, nev- I'm not going to be the person to discover how smell works. But I think <laughs> I understand, you know, why just because it... I mean, doesn't that happen in sight too, though? Like, there's... there's I don't know. You know more about this than I do, Orad. But like, if you're if I'm looking at something that is yellow, like a highlighter, versus if I'm looking at yellow tinted light, does that make sense? Or like a color? Sorry, like a color like um, like, well, uh, red, blue, green. So no, yellow light, right? Because that's a combination <laughs> of two colors, right? right? That's a combination of two light colors. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, those. Are, it's it's pretty. It, does your eye register that differently? I feel like it does, right? It's something different is happening, no? Right. So if you see something that's blue, then there's the blue cone in your eye. It goes off. And then it goes, it's blue. And then your brain mm-hmm. says blue. And then you see things that are blue. If you see stuff that is red, that's that, that's the hap- same thing happens. But and yellow the, the, is a combination. So what happens is two cones go off and then your brain mixes it. Okay. Um, and to, to, differing, to, to differing extents, right? Right. So colorblind people are missing a cone entirely. Right. Okay. Which okay. is why they they completely can't distinguish between colors because they just don't have the sense. It's not that their brain doesn't interpret it; it's that their eye doesn't even register it. Hmm. And interestingly, light is a particle and a wave. <laughs> um, Go on. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm making a, a layman's connection between a wave of light and tasting molecular vibrations because vibrations are waves, aren't they? Vibrations are waves. Actually, you are spot on. This is why people like the vibrational theory, right? Because your eye sees a total spectrum, and we can give down to the decimal place exactly what the wavelength of a certain you know, color or something is. So we understand that super well, and part of that is because of how sharp your vision is, right? If I look here, it's absolutely black. If I look there, it's absolutely white. But like your smell is this kind of like ephemeral, floaty thing in all directions, and we aren't able to break it down into its component pieces as easily as we are for light. And that's kind of the bummer for this. I, I was also reading about how humans, our sense of smell is like a lot weaker than animal senses of smell. And the receptors that we have are like, I don't know, maybe 6 million. And a rabbit has like 10 million olfactory receptors. That's a pretty big difference. So it's, yeah. So we, we've, we've, and, and maybe, and I think maybe it, it was also saying that we don't, we maybe started off with more, but we've lost. Oh sense. yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess this is, this is what, this is what they're saying. Sort of, they think, they think that, um, we lost. We, we yeah. So I found this thing about dogs, right? So you said a rabbit has ten million. A dog has three hundred million. Yeah. Actually, I watched a whole. So so my wife found this cute video, like an animation about how dogs smell. So dogs can smell in stereo. Dogs have a hundred million can smell concentrations that are hundred million times less than humans. So it was like if you could smell a perfume in the, in a room, a dog can smell it in a stadium without any problem, and he could tell you where, what side it comes from. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, and a dog, it's like in-breathing and it's out-breathing holes are not the same. So it can just continuously smell and like a sniff, sniff comes in and like a sniff goes out. Whereas for us, like we have one channel where like, you know, the air comes yeah. in and comes out of the same hole, right? Right. So dogs are like smelling Wait. machines. Like it's nuts. You know? So you know what? Like, of course we don't understand smell. Because yeah, it's like, we don't have it's like it. someone who's blind trying to study, you know, light waves. Like, I mean, which you could do, but like... That's we right, really... but how do you – you need to build a spectrometer, but how do you even know that spectrometer – like, if you only see black and white, how do you even know to build a spectrometer? How do you even know? Yeah. It sets you back, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. why it took, like, 40 years before anybody even got, like, a hint of how it works. And, you know, 15 years later, Luca Turin does this vibrational thing. So he says if you have two molecules shaped the same, they can smell differently, and they found that that's true. And then he found two molecules that have the same vibrational pattern, and they smell the same. Well, what's interesting about that as well is that so much of perfume is based on the theory of coming up with synthetic smells that smell like something natural, right? Right. Yeah. Sometimes because, something oh, natural is poisonous, right? And so or, you want to find or like endangered. A oh, or yeah. endangered. Oh, I yeah. thought you were talking about Perfume the Book, which is also really fascinating. That's a book about uh, this killer. Oh, I saw oh, the movie God. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what's, what's this? Yeah. He's a killer. He doesn't. He doesn't smell like anything. So, he, but he, I guess, loves the smell of like girls, young I think it was girls. Women, yeah. <laughs> so he'll like he'll. Is this uh, appropriate, like the... Nina? We're talking about farts, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it is appropriate. Yeah. yeah. So he makes perfume of these girls' bodies, I guess. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Wait, wait. Like physically, he like grinds physically, up their body. Well, no, no, no. He, you know, like the way, like if you oh take flower god. petals and then you put it in, I guess. Oh I don't my know. god, yeah. this is so weird. And you distill out the flower petals, so he would distill yeah. out his victims. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just like an extreme version. But, but what's interesting actually is sometimes people who have psychological disorders, their sense of smell is really off, and people actually are considering using a smell test to detect like schizophrenia and like a few other. Wow, sort of... that's cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And the other thing I was going to say about it too is that um, so we have really bad sense of smell, but actually, the younger you are, the better sense of smell you have. So, like babies have a much better sense of smell than adults. Um, Which is tragic because babies stink. Yeah, so they <laughs> they really feel it. Like you yeah. know, if something smells bad, so I feel also like maybe we should be getting kids to give us some feedback about like smell and and like how we study smell because they in a way are like way better at it. But at the same time, like kids don't care what they smell like. Like you know, you're a teacher. Do you know what it's like being in like an 11, a classroom full of eleven <laughs> or twelve year olds? You know, they don't yes. know what deodorant is quite yet. Yeah. So yes. I mean, maybe I'm, they're not the most discerning, even though they have the skill. It's, like, wasted on the young. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but if you got, like, a really smart one, you know, like, like there they exist, like, smart, you know, 12-year-olds, like, you get them get them on the case. I'd rather use a dog. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather use a dog, too. Kids aren't cute. That's true. Um, okay, I think that's, uh, that's about it for smell, um, farts, and everything else associated. <laughs> um, but we got some mail, so what should we do that? Yeah, let's go to our voicemail, yeah. So the first voicemail is for our friend, Kathy. <laughs> Hi, good afternoon. This message is for Kathy Wright. I'm not sure if I have the correct number. You don't. Uh, Kathy uh, expressed some interest in a new Volkswagen. Just trying to reach her. You, Kathy, you're welcome to page me at 508-695-713. Thank you. So if anyone knows Kathy, <laughs> tell her that her Volkswagen is ready. Or, you know, to right? 
maybe someone should tell her what her phone number is. <laughs> I think so, Kathy. You're giving out the wrong number. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so is that the only voicemail we have, Jess? What else? No, we got one that's actually legit. For we have a legit you. voicemail. We have <gasps> legit. Our first legit voicemail. Dun, 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 dun. Hi, yet another science show. So I'm calling in because I had a chance encounter with one of the splendid hosts, Orad, um, at a restaurant. He was at another table, and I went up and uh, interrupted his meal, and I, for a while, just complimented him while he stared at me. Um, But then uh, he offered to um, sign the picture of him that I usually keep in my wallet. Um, And he, well, he offered me, um, I could pay him for the autograph uh, with an hour long tickle fight or um, uh, $199.99. And uh, I I paid with both uh, because, you know, it's it's ORAD. And so uh, I just want to read the the signed picture, which I now, um, I, well, I blew up. It's now a poster on my wall um, that, that Orad signed for me. It, it says, it says, Dear Greg, it was a pleasure to meet you. Uh, that was a great tickle fight. And, uh, and please, I know you really want to call into our voicemail, but we're, the message, it's full of messages. We have way too many. So please don't, Orad. So, Orad, I just wanted to, to thank you for that. And uh, the show is awesome. Thanks. I've been listening for years, but maybe five to seven years. So, um, no, I, I just started listening, but it's really awesome. Thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to more more episodes. So, was that 199 U.S. dollars? Uh, um, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, right. Okay. Okay, someone's got to pay for the website fees, all right? No, no, you it's know, fine. Bandwidth is cheap. cheap. And uh, no? you're just singing? I'm just thinking that like 199 US is a tidy little sum. 199 Canadian right now would get you a sandwich. Yeah, that's too bad, huh? But uh, that means <laughs> that you're, you're buying the mics for, uh, for Nina. I'm so mad that this came Yay! out. It, it should have. This is, this is egg on my face, huh? <laughs> no, really. Does that, is that a guy who knows who, you? Did yeah, he actually... who is this guy? <laughs> uh, I'm this is uh this is my buddy greg um who i met at a bar and he said yeah yeah, i'll definitely i've been thinking of leaving you a voicemail i'm like no you're not gonna leave me a voicemail um and 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 last thing you should ever say to someone is that they're not gonna do something (laughs) i love it so uh thanks for calling in greg now you guys see how low our standards are so if anybody (laughs) wants to leave us a voicemail uh you can call us at 774-300-YASS that's seven seven four three hundred nine two seven seven. We're on the internet at yetanotherscienceshow.com. You can send us an email, uh, emails at yetanotherscienceshow.com. And we're on Facebook at obviously facebook.com slash yetanotherscienceshow. And uh, thank you to, uh, thanks for listening, and thank you to our wonderful co-host uh, guest, Nina. Nina, any last words? Yeah, I'm just so happy that, you know, I finally got to talk about this uh the smell issue that's really been bothering me. I'm really happy I got to vent about the popcorn. And thanks for explaining everything, Laura. That was great. Oh, yeah, as if I helped at all. Um, well, thank, yeah, really glad Jessie to have too. had you. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, we learned a lot about smell. What did we learn about? The uh, the two competing theories. We learned about, uh, you know, the Nobel Prize. 
popcorn healthy popcorn. farts <laughs> um uh, uranus uh smells uh yeah so from cambridge massachusetts i'm orad and from montreal i'm jesse and i'm nina yeah see you next time Bye.